Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Father God, we praise your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for everything. We thank you for our our trials, our tribulations, our difficulties, the things that we don't understand, the things that we do understand because of the blessings that you have given us. Perhaps we have not quite yet figured out exactly how to emotionally deal with a lot of the things that we have been gifted with and understanding. But we praise you, Father, no matter what, because we know that through praise, there is a power. Through praise, there is a a type of a unification of the Godhead, the Spirit of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with the very Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit within us. And through that praise, there is some type of supernatural communications. It's a connection. It's some something that generates supernatural power that is beyond our understanding it is a it is a power that word and causes matter in this hologram particle field quantum mechanics existence this this place that we find ourselves in now we don't understand these things but yet we see that it, uh, being made manifest in the scripture Entire walls of Jericho and collapsing and shackles breaking and jail cells opening from praise and the power that is emanated outward from it into the supernatural realm, even so much as to be able to change the physics of the hologram existence that we are currently imprisoned within. And we praise you, Father, no matter what. We, no matter what we go through and no matter how, horrib- how horrible it may seem to us at that given time, may we all imprint upon our hearts amidst the very essence of that energy, that, that God spirit, that God, that spirit of the Godhead that is unattainable. Obtainable. It's not it's something that can be touched or captured and bottled in any manner by the enemy to their utmost of frustration. They are unable. They can capture the soul energy, but they are unable to touch the spirit of the living God, the Godhead, the God particle. And we just praise you that we are a part of that. And we thank you that because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within our walk, some of us may not yet, yet I say, have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, Father, we are believing that through faith and through determination, those who truly desire it will receive it. And we also pray that they will receive uh, verification of it. Although it's not required, that they would receive the ability to speak in tongues, the, the tongues of angels, and have the power to be able to bypass the spiritual realm of darkness that would attempt to hinder our prayers for a multitude of reasons. A multitude of reasons. Father, we praise you for the 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 period of time that we're in right now, the depth of the end times. If we were to look on that timeline, we just we praise you because we know that we're so very, very 
very awfully, awfully close to the very, very end. And we talk when we talk about the very end, Father, as, as you know, when you look into my heart, and I pray also the hearts of others, that that end for us is the time that we transform our lowly bodies into the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ as sons of God, truly being made manifest, not just spiritually connected to it in the flesh, battling the flesh on the journey of sanctification, but utterly transformed into minor gods, which the scripture oftentimes refers to as a spirit body or just simply the word spirits, which is essentially kind of a mistranslation. And Father, we just praise you for that. We thank you for helping us to understand that if we were to draw a timeline across a piece of paper, which I've just recently done for someone I was witnessing to, and say that timeline was two feet, two feet long, and, and the left side of that timeline is... When you and uh, Jesus, begotten, Lucifer, created, were actually architecting the various universe, the universe that we are aware of and, and are able to see, even into the glorified portion thereof, but also the other universes, the other realms, the other dimensions, and the quadrillions of life forms, not even able to name a name for the number that exist out there in the glorified realm, and perhaps there are even other realms and other universes that have had wars, have had similar dynamics occur to that which we have happening to us even now, which would explain why you destroy the heavens and the earth, essentially, and then recreate the heavens and the earth which of course is a mystery in the bible that has yet to yet to be understood but if but again it just it seems to in some fashion or another it seems to answer the possibility the ecclesiastes 1:9 continuous cycle of existence that that paradigm that is very difficult to, for us to grasp just as the concept of eternity is Father, we praise you for helping us to understand that in that two-foot-long line, that graph, that timeline that we can write into our hearts, that we can recognize that if if the beginning of that timeline, let's just say, was uh, when uh, the Garden of Eden fell from its most glorious state uh, and was essentially injected and implanted here on this planet or materialized perhaps is a better word from another realm into this particular realm but at that time approximately six to seven between six and seven thousand years ago if that was the left side of that line where we are in the end times if we were to draw it on the right side if we were to put a red mark on the right side of that two-foot line, it would be little more than just a dot, a red dot that would signify what time is left before the new Jerusalem adorned as a bride, clearly meaning having the bride within her in transformed bodies already as it descends from heaven 
up until that point, that tiny little red dot, that small red dot, maybe only two or three millimeters in size, is, is representative, Father. I imagine in my heart is representative, Father, of the time that we have left on this earth. No wonder, from a heavenly realm standpoint, the word soon, imminent, now, surface frequently through the mouths of your servants, the prophets, visionaries, and those who dream dreams. But now, Father, we have come to a time where it does truly seem, although I have to really temper my own personal self, because my proclivity, and I pray that you forgive me for this, because many of us have this proclivity and we can't help it, when we're in a less than desirable life dynamic, we hunger and thirst for even more for the glory that awaits us. But yet at the same time, it causes our humanness, our fleshiness, to desire departure even all the more, forgetting what our actual mission is here on the earth. Forgetting that it is us, it is we, who you, Father, contend with in prayer and also by our actions, by the opportunity that you gave me even today, praise your name, to draw that line and to illustrate with that small red dot how close we are to that end, whether that end is the barley harvest for some of us, which we pray that it is for all of us, or that end is some later departure time, hopefully not past the point of wrath and into the grape harvest for some. But Father, we praise you for helping us to understand all of these things, for we, by that blessing, can worship you and praise you because it gives us it, it, it gives us a motivation. Surely, if you were to send an angel into our room right now and offer to take us with you and to bring us home, surely it would be exceedingly difficult to say no. As a matter of fact, it's no, no big surprise to any of us, Father, and we praise you and thank you, Jesus, that virtually every single person that has had what we hear referred to as a near-death experience, but it's really not. It's a death experience. And you've blessed us with a visit, Jesus, whereby they visited you for a period of time, and often you as well, Father, that they wanted to stay in your presence, that they felt overwhelmed, that, that, that really once they came back to earth with their new mission, which was a mandate, it wasn't, you know, they in many cases requested to stay, of course, of course, even even feeling guilty for being completely okay with leaving their children and family behind, wanting to stay in your presence, and and utterly, utterly unable to be able to express in earth words, in flesh words, what they experienced simply saying that they felt the love of God everywhere. They could not, they were unable and have consistently been 
unable to or just not they, there's no way that they could possibly express the magnitude of it they would just simply say there was like well inexpressible the we thank you father for that we pray that we can stay level-headed keep our heads together continue to remain as motivated as we possibly can even in the midst of having absolutely zero fellowship or what fellowship we may have is unfortunately tainted by our inability to be able to communicate effectively and in a manner that would allow those who we need to be able to share with pray for us according to the trials and tribulations that we are experiencing because of the understanding that we have, as as the word says in Ecclesiastes one eighteen, which we are essentially living. And I praise your name, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge in, knowledge increases sorrow. How much more so, Father, are those of us who, for whatever reason, in the midst of our journey, have come to a place of a duplicitous existence whereby our blessing is also our grief. Our blessing is also an unspeakably huge increase in sorrow. For with that blessing comes an understanding and a grave um, emotional connection to that that which is to come and further exacerbates the frustration that's associated with our desire to help people as we grow in Christ but yet at the same time as we grow in wisdom and at the same time as we increase knowledge and at the same time we increase sorrow and our own personal grief wondering What's the point of continuing to occupy, wondering whether or not we should bother to paint our house or fix our car or look for another job or whatever the case is, whatever the challenges it is that we are facing at any given moment? Knowing that no matter what, no matter how hard we pray, no matter how many YouTube videos or whatever testimonies we listen to, we are not going to be given the answer that our stay here could be much longer than we think, even though we know it's somewhere in the midst of that very small dot. What a plight it is, Father, for those of us who have been gifted with such a blessing, one which helps us not only to understand the importance of our mission here on the earth, not just today, but in the days to come, but one that causes us to, through the grief and through the sorrow, because of the wisdom and because of the knowledge that you have gifted us with. That knowledge in, includes the understand, a be, the better, better understanding, the more detailed understanding of what it is uh, like to be in the presence of your glory. Why, why a psalmist would praise you and say, I would just praising you and say, you know, that they want to serve in the house of the Lord forever and be in your presence. Uh, 
Because we begin to understand how glorious, how amazing the ecstasy that is associated with the various existence or even in uh, in, uh, being within the realm, the presence of it all. So many of those who have testified of being in the presence of heaven itself may not have even seen you, may not have even been in your direct presence, may not have even seen Jesus, but it was the very light in the lifting of the uh, ton of logs that rest upon us without us even knowing us. We, we don't even realize the magnitude of the oppression that we're under in this realm until we're released from it. And yes, it is a glorious thing. Yes, it is a wonderful, wonderful blessing to know about these things. But also, it presents an increase in the challenge. Because by knowing that, by understanding how awesome, how much more awesome, most of our fellow brothers and sisters have absolutely no idea whatsoever, and the vast majority of them do not believe that there is any such thing as a person that has been taken into your presence or into heaven for any reason. Uh, of, of over two billion people who profess Christianity as their religion, there's probably less than one percent that even believe that anybody's ever been taken to heaven. And by virtue of us knowing not just what it, that, that it is possible and that it has happened probably tens of thousands of times, many of which we have no idea about. Even the Apostle Paul mentioned one that was taken up to a very high level that it was even beyond his comprehension. It must be in the tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, but it would need to be because of the vast number of people on the earth that would need to hear the testimony. But we praise you for that. We praise you for choosing us, for blessing us. And we ask you in the name of Jesus and in accordance with the scripture that you have given us, Lord Jesus, these are your your very, very own words. And I praise you for these words. I live by these words and I need these words. And for me, there's many, but for me, one of my favorites is Mark 11:23, where you, you, Lord Jesus, said, have faith in God. For whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive it and you will have it. Or to the credit of the very anointed Charles Spurgeon, maybe not precisely that, but something much, much greater. We cannot understand. We do not have the ability to understand, Father. We just do not. If the very people that have been in your presence are not able, and those who claim to be able to describe it, it's fascinating to put their testimony side by side with those who have also been to heaven, and they're not able to describe it which sends warning bells into our spirit that perhaps there are so many that have been taken to a false heaven, a maka, a lie from the evil one, to deceive us and to make us think that the path isn't as narrow as it actually is. 
Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will look down upon the hearts of each of us. We are utterly imperfect. In the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, there is no question whatsoever that we are barely able to stand in the shoes of the tax collector, renting our robes and hoping with a contrite spirit and tears in our eyes, godly sorrow, knowing we are utterly unworthy, even when we believe in our hearts that we are walking right with you and in total obedience. Let us not ever have presumptuous sin and assume that we have come to a place in our walk where we, through any actions of our own, without the blood of Jesus and continuous confession of sin, self-examination and a contrite spirit, might even be considered to make that barley harvest, which could very well be a lot closer. It's very possible that in that analogy of that line with the red dot on the far right side, that the barley harvest is very, very close comparatively speaking, to the rest of the red line. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, as unworthy as we are, that by your mercy, which endures forever, by the promises that you have in the Scripture in Psalm 103, verse 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your mercy towards those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so great is your Oh, I, I, I got to call this one up. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. I was doing it from memory, but it's been so long since I've actually read it directly out of the Bible that I was uh, I'm fumbling. Well, I'm probably also fumbling because of some struggles here on earth. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your mercy towards those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you, Father, removed our transgressions from us. As the Father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. In the midst of this passage, Father, it's very clear. It's very clear not that the psalmist was claiming to be sin-free. In fact, it's the opposite. The psalmist was admitting that they were utterly unworthy and that it was by virtue of the fact that they feared hellfire and they were trying as hard as they could but knew that they were going to fall short no matter what, which makes them have a sheepdog, a contrite, a rueful spirit, knowing that they are probably not even worthy to stand in the shoes of that tax collector. And the more we learn about your glory, the less worthy we feel. We praise you for uh, Psalm 51, I think it's 14, where King David beseeches you to remove his guilt from him regarding his own sin so that he was not encumbered in his praise and worship and seeking you. Oh, how precious it is, Father, for us to come to a place in our walk where when we do dork up, 
we truly have that godly sorrow. I can say for me, it's a state of shock at first, and then it's an anger phase that I go through because I know I dorked up, and then comes the godly sorrow and the guilt. And it's not until I somehow get to a place through your mercy that I can pick it back up and through determination and holding tightly to the scripture card, Mark 11.23, and whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive it and you will have it. And I know it came from you, Lord Jesus. I know you said those words, maybe not exactly that way, maybe not translated perfectly, but the translation as it stands, to the best of our understanding, is sufficient. The promise in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess of our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father, for helping us to come to a place in our walk where we are being, or we are able to reflect upon all of these things as both blessings and challenges, difficulties and grief. Sadness and sorrow, but also a greatly magnified hope. Greatly magnified hope. A hope that is, I would submit, probably ten times greater than any other Christian on the earth. Because most of them really, because of bad teachings and misunderstandings of the interpretations of the Scripture, do really do not perceive. They see the ugly happening in the world, and they report on it in their news articles, or they talk about it in their their supposed prophetic tongues, which I doubt, you know, I do in my heart, Father, that they're not really hearing very well. But the blessing that we have, because we've been given more information, probably because we know that we're not worthy and we're forever more hungry more hungry for more wisdom which of course will create in these times more grief a paradox that will never be something we can understand and embrace in this realm at this time So we energize the Godhead within us. We magnify the power of the Godhead within us, for we are a part of the Godhead. We are unified as a part of the Godhead. We may not be fully translated at this point. We are not fully transformed. We are not standing before you, Lord Jesus, at this time, but we are united through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ within our hearts and the power that comes with it. We are unified. We are part of the mission. We are part of that which calls down the power of heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's glory upon this earth. We are Jesus upon this earth. We are the mission. 
and we praise you for that incredible i mean there's really just no way no words to describe no words to 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 be able to capture the magnitude of of that blessing the magnitude magnitude of being chosen before that there was even time before we were born on this earth that, to have these things written in our books to walk in those works even though we stumble and fall and sometimes slip completely into the bottom of the pit or the, or you know the a, a well if you will or a cesspool of ugly and we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for lifting us up, for sh- giving us a shove. Uh, 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 I don't know what the right word would be, but, uh, you know, just to give us a shove up so that we're able to reach the edge and pull ourselves all the way out. We never get a complete lift. We never get, a, we never get to do it completely uh, without your help. But we praise you every moment. We know that everything is a test. We praise you for that. Some of it is refiner's fire. We praise you for that. Some of it is an adjustment of our course because of a misunderstanding of who we are or where we are in our walk. And we praise you for that. Let us not have any weaknesses. Let us not have any um, uh, behaviors, thoughts in our hearts that are outside of your perfect will. And we pray, Father, for an anointing to fall upon us that we are, 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 our ears can hear in a spiritual way that helps us to be able to make adjustments, even proactively that align, better align our feelings, emotions, our thoughts through the renewing of our mind, through the sanctification of our walk to your perfect will and your obedience as best as we can possibly understand and muster up in our walk. We praise your name. We thank you, Father. We thank you for helping us to get to this place. We praise you for 11, now approaching 12 years, I guess, or at least entering into it. Years and years of incredible disappointments, beatings behind the shed, Refiner's fire on a level that we could not begin to understand unless we look back because our hindsight is twenty twenty. Father, if all of this, all of this amounts to one one thousandth of the glory that we believe awaits us then it will be worth 10,000 times the suffering that any of us have endured thus far. All the more reason for us to hunger and thirst, to pant like the deer or the water. But for us, it's for the living water. Holy Lord Jesus, we pray, please, Draw us in closer to you. We believe with all of our heart that you are utterly fair, Father. And if there is any truth whatsoever in the magnitude of the grief, the magnitude of the sorrow, the Ecclesiastes 118 paradox of our walk, 
the absolute and utter lack of meaningful fellowship, which is a foundational part of our ability to navigate gracefully the days that we're, we find ourselves in the midst of. We pray, Father, that through your mercy, through your loving kindness, through your understanding of the magnitude of the challenge that you have laid before some of us, maybe not all, for whatever reason, we don't know why. We pray, Father, also that you would give us more grace. Not that we feel that we are deservant of it, but maybe because our walk is that much more challenging. Loaded with blessings because of it, but also loaded with incredibly intense challenges, grief, and sorrow. As we look around us, we pray that it motivates us through your anointing And and ultimately makes us stronger as the days of darkness intensify around us. For Father, the things that we see happening right now, powerfully indicate there is a high level of likelihood probability that things are going to get exponentially worse much, much faster than I could have ever imagined. But nevertheless, with no guarantee of an earlier departure than any of us have ever imagined. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father, through your mercy, that you will pour out onto us, those of us who are living living examples of Ecclesiastes 1.18. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just praise your holy name and thank you for everything. And we are going to praise you and praise you and praise you even more for giving us the things, the answers to our prayers that we haven't seen even an inkling of. Uh, we praise you because as an inkling of an answer thus thus far does as you know. To, and we just praise you and thank you, Father, for all of this. Glory be to you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight is June the 10th of 2022, the 11th of Savan, 5782. I have to focus my eyes a little bit here. Had a real rough late afternoon, multi-challenge here in the... Just so it just never ends. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and the next holiday is Rosh Kadesh Tammuz, which is June the 29th of 2022. We have passed... 
evidently Shavuot, uh, it, it appears. Uh, if Rosh Kadesh Tammuz is the next one, which is June the 29th, I'm looking at June the 10th. Yep, we have passed. I don't track the Hebrew. Uh, uh, I don't track directly the Hebrew days. I'm aware of them and I see them on my calendar, but I don't practice them like somebody, some folks do. Um, to, to me, every day ought to be the Sabbath. To me, every day ought to be total communion with our Father. To me, part of the walk. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, uh, I, I even have a book here. It was given to me about uh, it, 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 the, the the book's uh, plot, or not plot, but I don't know. Its focus is how through the Lord Jesus Christ, as a Christian, we can practice the, you know, feast of the Lord and do it in a Christian manner as opposed to a Jewish manner. Um, and then there are those, of course, that argue that Jesus was Jewish and, you know, and, and you know, it just gets very confusing sometimes. And so for me, I just say God is everything. Jesus is everything. It's all. It's, it's, it's a constant everything. It's everything. Constant. Constant Sabbath. Constant communion, constant um, mingling with the very presence of the Holy Spirit and the Godhead as a part of the walk. Not that I don't slip and fall out of the grace of it sometimes because of some of the challenges that many of us are going through right now and I expect will probably become even more difficult in the days to come. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight, the time now is 7.41 p.m. It is June the 10th. It's 741 on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight together we light the Sabbath candles. Not because we have to, but because we love to. If I can get, well, hallelujah, there we go. Praise you, Jesus. And also I have to let you know as I'm lighting us, I light three. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, and um, and I'm going to go, go ahead and play the Hebrew Kaddish, but right before I hit the button here, okay, I want to let you know something. There is a device that is connected to the Golden JIB Studios computer system that has made its mind up to do what an automatic update, and uh, it could uh, create problems. Um, I am praying, and Father, I'm just praying, please, in the name of Jesus, just keep that doggone device quiet in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Hebrew Kadesh. Aruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabak kodsho v'yavahu v'ratzon hinchilanu Zikaron l'masei v'reshit Ki hu yom techila Lemikrae Kodesh, Zechelitziat Mitzrayim. 
כיוונו בחרת ואותנו קידשת מכל העמים ושבת קודשך באהבה וברצון הנחלתנו ברוך אתה אדוני מקדש Praise you, Jesus. And I have successfully disconnected the sound wire from this uh, aberrant device, which evidently is under the control of the devil at the moment. <laughs> Either that or it's just, I don't know, whatever, Jeff Bezos, which... Probably isn't too far away from the devil. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. No, I don't mean that. Father, in the name of Jesus, please forgive me for saying that. And I pray, Father, if it is at all possible, send an angel into his dreams and visions of the night and save his soul. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. We praise your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. We center and off we go. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion. And, ride, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes, those sly little sins that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Catch them and remove them for me. We will do it together. Slander will you find upon him? 
just listen to the prayer vigil, which is cool. And I, I praise God for that. And I, and I want to say a special thanks to, um, to those who have taken the time uh, to send me an email that, uh, for encouragement. Um, Paulina, God bless you. Emmanuel, God bless you. Um, the list just goes on. Aaron, um, so many of you uh, have Annie all the time. I just praise God for each of you and thank you for taking the time to send an encouraging email. Many of whom I've I've never, you know, I don't. I'm, I've, I recall seeing like Lee, okay, you know, I, I mean, I remember he, you all very, very well and 
having talked to you in the past, but some of you I haven't heard from for a while. And so it just makes it an extra special blessing, especially when you, you, you are encouraging in regard to the prayer vigil. Because that sets you apart from the vast majority of people who consider themselves to be what they call truth seekers. There's a lot of truth seekers who are not going to make the barley harvest. It's sad, but it's true. Oh, and just so you know, folks, really, really important. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to try real hard to stay on top of this. I will listen tonight. Thanks, John. Yeah, I've got to flag this particular. This was sent in by Sister Annie. And um, I'm going to flag it as extreme so it gets followed up on some. Because Sister Nancy is so body slammed busy because of some challenges that are a part of her life now. And have intensified, as you can imagine. But... um. We received, it appears now, we're looking into it. Uh, so, you know, we praise you, Jesus, for those who are, are, that do send us some things. And some of them pan out. Some of them were able to, um, we're able to bring them on as guests. Other ones do not pan out because sometimes it's because they're not even alive anymore. Uh, and we don't even discover that until we start to search them out and try to bring them on as guests to the program. But um, I think this is merit saying, and I pray in Jesus' name this particular individual is is alive. I pray that they are willing. Um, there are some that fear God so much that they won't make decisions on their own, which I don't really think that's God's will. I think God's will, first and foremost, is that we follow his word, which is the Holy Bible. And then, if there's reason to believe that we need to seek additional counseling from the Lord in regard to our choices, you know, in other words, if they deviate or appear or might seem to deviate a little bit from the word, then I can see where a person would seek the Lord through, you know, because think about it. What are the examples that we have? Did Paul stop? Did Paul stop and, and cast lots and say, dear heavenly father, should I, should I heal this person of leprosy? through the power of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't need to ask permission for things that he already knew that he was ordained to do by God. And the, and 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 serving God and all that, you know, all the things. I mean, my goodness, what is it? A hundred pages of things that we could make a bullet-pointed list of that, that are, are part of serving God that are mentioned specifically in the Bible and were admonished to do and take part in. Those things, you don't need to ask permission for those things. You've already been admonished. You've already been told to do them. So anyway, I, I don't understand many Christians and how they operate and how they think. That's between them and the Lord. Praise God for them. Uh, I know that I also am over the last approximately three years, praise Jesus, there have been, there's been a, a, a very, very noteworthy increase, which is great. I'm praising Jesus for this. There's, um, you know, the, the, the numbers for the radio show have been going up. The charts are going up. Uh, 
These are real numbers. They're vetted. They're, it's not noise on the Internet. You, they're, it's, it's complicated, and I'm not going to get into all the electromechanical, you know, all the electronics behind it. But um, the numbers are increasing, which was, would be to – why wouldn't they, given, you know, what's going on today in the world? Um, and I praise God for that. And I'm also getting communications, praise Jesus for this, from a lot of people that I, I didn't know. Uh, or I, I, you know, I just never heard of them before and they email me and I see the email is new and, uh, and I, that I'm, I'm always blessed by that. And people have been very encouraging, you know, 10 years ago, uh, when we were, we as a collective group of internet aware Christians, 10 years ago, the ignorance was, was astonishing, and the rebuke and the negativity and the evil that came out of the mouths of Christians was so much that I spent more time blocking email addresses than I did responding to emails. And that dynamic has changed. People have woken up to stuff. But it does it, but amidst the, so you might say just hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, that every one of these people are waking up, all these new, you know, we'll call them newbies. Uh, you know, if they've woken up in the last five years, believe me, they're newbies. And um, uh, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that, that, that happens with folks that are relatively new to, I hate to put it like this, but let's just call it the mysteries of our existence. What happens is they also become exceedingly... Um, they're so hungry that they're gullible, and they will buy anything. They they just listen to – and, and there's a new surge of – and I'm not saying that they're, these are ungodly people. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that. But I, I praise the Lord and thank Jesus that we were early comers. And I see some of the relatively new people that have awakened so hungry – and I, and and I can understand that. I understand that, that that they would be, because we had you know tribulation now had to get rid of because of copyright violations. I voluntarily took down four thousand radio shows. <laughs> Imagine that, right? That was not a happy day for me. But um, I voluntarily took down four thousand radio shows. So at this point, when you look at the radio show counter numbers, it's highly inaccurate. Um, but anyway, that's, it's kind of, what that means is there's a deficit. So for the, for those who might've wanted to learn more about sons of God, who are we and why are we here and all, I mean, we did, we did probably, oh, I would have to imagine the better part of 20 to 30 shows with Zen Garcia, I would guess. Definitely 10 or 15 for sure, but I think a lot more. And those were dedicated programs, and we dug very deep into some extremely advanced stuff, some of which was like the origins of the pyramids. The pyramids were created by demonic, uh, fallen angelic beings. This nonsense about, you know, what, what the common human notion is of how the pyramids were created was ab it's absolute boulder dash it's it's it's, ab it's garbage um you know they, they, these were they were created by otherworldly beings beings that are not from the earth and by the way there are pyramids all over the universe and they do form these i don't know 
they call them ley lines, and they and many say the ley lines exist on the earth, and they point, oh, this connects to this, and this connects to that, and people are really into that. You know, quite honestly, folks, I have drank so many gallons of satanic Kool-Aid, I get sick and tired of even hearing about it anymore. I just want God to shoot thunderbolts down and start frying these entities and burning them into the pit. Okay, so maybe I grew up at a at some point in my walk. I know I know a big part of the reason why I transitioned from being intrigued by a lot of that stuff and reading endless books on it. And I got to the point where even when I would order a book that was recommended to me by whoever, uh, I already knew the stuff. So I would spend seventeen ninety five on a book. I'd get the book. I'd read the first chapter and go, "Oh, well, this is wrong." For one thing, it's incorrect, and for another thing, I don't definitely don't want to read the rest of it. So I started. Uh, you know, I just could not buy. I got to a place in my walk. Um, this is not being braggadocious, braggadocious or whatever, or being puffed up in any way. Believe me, it was a hellacious journey, and it was. Uh, there are things that you can't unhear, and there are things that you can't unsee. I have had books that I made it maybe through the first chapter, started the beginning of the second chapter, and had to put it, put it down because it was so sick, so filthy, so horrible that I could not – I was – no way, no way. I've fallen to my knees at 2 o'clock in the morning outside. I lost my wife. She said, I don't see God the way that you see God. She came She came from a Catholic background. You know, being dedicated to serving God and having emotions for people that I don't know. I don't know the people that email me. I don't know the people that text message me. I don't. You know, the only one, let me think here, let me be accurate. Of the thousands, I would say probably a thousand guests over the last 11 years. Trying to think here. I've met Brother Zen Garcia. I I hung out with him and I had dinner with him, uh, which was awesome. Uh, I met Sister Terry Hill on a consulting engagement in California. We met at a Chinese restaurant. Um, there, but not really hardly anybody else. Everyone else is an electronic brother and sister in Christ, which which I don't diminish at all in importance. I don't think that that makes them any less significant to me at all. It's I will say it's nice to be able to meet somebody in person. It's kind of cool. Um, but spiritually speaking, I can't really say that it's that there's a noteworthy difference. It's not like I have any special favoritism or a closer connection because I sat across the table and ate some, you know, kung pao chicken. You know, in their presence, which I find to be very interesting, seems to indicate to me that the spiritual connection of the of us as the sons of God, of course, in a fallen state right now. um, And there's like 
got to be quadrillions. I mean, I use the word quadrillion when, when I ha don't have any way to express the magnitude of the numbers. That's my new phrase, quadrillions. I don't want to say the word Google, even though that's, you know, really when you think about it, because numbers are infinite, every word that you say is a number. But anyway, it's fascinating for me to look back on all of these things, and I know how hungry I was to learn things. It's just unfortunately nowadays, while it's much easier to get a hold of the information that 11 years ago we had to dig, 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 dig for, sometimes weeks of digging. Now all you got to do is open up a web browser, go to YouTube, and you'll have probably a hundred hits on YouTube videos about any esoteric subject, probably thousands of hits on reptilians, untold numbers of hits on uh, alien beings. Uh, somebody sent me the other day a Christian that was all, you know, gushy-washy, lovey-dovey, which is good, good, you know, praise God. But they were very wrong about their understanding of the fallen angels and what they are and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like I said on the prior, on, on, on the Wednesday show, praise God. Hey, if they, if they have come to a place in their walk where fallen where aliens equals fallen angels equals bad guys, good enough. Let them get on YouTube and let them tell the world what they think. Because the Lord knows I was in their shoes at one point. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God told me a long, long, long time ago that I needed to flush it. I mean, he didn't use the term, you need to flush out, but he basically told, said to me, "I, I, it, it was a, it wasn't a, I couldn't hear the voice, but I heard the voice. I can't explain it, and it was, you have got to, in order for you to continue doing what you're doing, you are going to have to forget everything that you've learned." That's essentially what the Lord told me. <laughs> that's, that's like to a, to a guy that's like 58 years old and was raised in Pentecostal and assembly of God, tongue-speaking, miracle-filled, demon-chasing churches as, since he was a kid. And to be told that I got to dump it all <laughs> if I want to learn the stuff that I wanted to learn, because I, I was there was too much. It too many esoteric things that were beyond the understanding of the church and churchianity were being revealed to me. And I knew the magnitude of, I knew how important it was to be correct. Because I fear going to hell. I fear God. I love him, but I fear him. But I, unlike so many of the 8 billion people on the earth, have been blessed by an earthly father who I loved and I feared. Most people alive on the earth today do not relate to that concept, and I feel so sorry for them because they make up things. They're wrong. They're just flat out wrong. They say things like, well, fear of God is it's actually a type of reverence. And I'm like, balderdash. 
It is not. It's genuine, unadulterated fear. And you might be like, well, that can't be because God loves me and I love God. And why would I fear somebody that I love? That's because you don't get it. You, For whatever reason, your upbringing wasn't Old Testament. When the family got destroyed by the satanic erosion of all things, spare the rod, spoil the child. When that, when, when the evil, the seething stench of the evil one infiltrated into the government system, the, edu- the educational system, I almost said jokingly, ed- educational. <laughs> I've had a heck of a day, praise God. But anyway, when, when, when the educational system got infiltrated, you know, it used to be that the church, I'm not, look, there's never been an era that the church was perfect. I mean, look at, look at the Corinthian letters. I mean, majority of those letters were, the first letter was Paul spanking, 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 spanking the Corinthians for being naughty, naughty, naughty. And then the second letter was mostly him saying, I'm sorry, I think I spanked you a little too hard. Okay. I mean, really, that's the short summary of the plot of First and Second Corinthians, although it's gushing with all kinds of amazing, miraculous, I mean, just unbelievable, super cold mysteries. And oh, wow. Evidently, when you get Paul worked up, you discover a lot of cool things. But um, the Lord told me I had to pretty much just get rid of it all. Everything that you think that you've ever learned, everything that you think that you've ever ever knew, everything that you've been taught when you were sitting in the pews, you're going to have to get going to have to let it go. Because I told the Lord I can't do this. The 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 ramifications of me being wrong are too – people were going to – could lose their salvation. People could die. People could, could end up in hell. I, to, I was in tears. I, I was standing outside of the, in the backyard of my house with my hands raised in the air. I had tears rolling down my eyes, and I said, Father, I cannot do this radio show. Because I saw the direction that it was heading. It's almost like Lester Summerall when he was in the Manila uh, hotel room listening on the radio to that woman who is completely, totally possessed by multiple powerful demons in the jail cell and killing people and such. And all these preachers from around the world were going there, taking their own, some of, I mean, just, and they were all failing miserably for obvious reasons. Um, and Lester told the Lord he was having a conversation with the Lord and he was hearing him real clearly at that time and the Lord was like the Lord told him I need you to go to to, 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 to deliver her and Lester pushed back and he said I hate deliverance I hate demons. I hate being around them. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. And our father said to Lester Sumrall, I don't have anyone else to send. 
You know, I've had my sister tell me multiple times, you know, Johnny, if you don't do what the Lord tells you to do, God will just raise up another person to do it. No, he won't. Sometimes there's nobody else to do it. But if it wasn't for my being an avid reader of extra-biblical books, I'm not satisfied just reading the Bible. But I don't have the time to read all the Apocrypha, so I bring on experts like Zen or whatever. And, of course, Zen is... He, I mean, he's very humble, and he totally understands that not every single thing that he reads is 100% anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's smart enough to know that some of them, like the books of Josephus and stuff, are more historical texts. But he, you know, it, it, it takes analytical skills. Now, granted, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. My sisters aren't perfect. No one is. Jesus is perfect. And that's that's I think was the turning point was when the Lord told me now that now don't get me wrong that was the turning point where I started to develop a comfort level with moving forward in the realm of things that were mysteries the things that Paul cried I mean bawled cried wept because he would go back to he, – he would just, you know, on foot, he would travel from gathering to gathering to gathering, the word ecclesia, which is also frequently referred to as a church, gathering, ecclesia. He would go to one group, to another group. He'd walk distances, Asia Minor, Rome, Book of Romans, Corinth. Laodicea, all those are, are locations, genuine Th- Th- Thessalonica. Even to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm 99.999% sure that the town of Thessalonica actually still exists in Greece today. And he was just devastated, sad, because he hungered to teach people about mysteries. He wanted to tell people more about who they actually were. The things that we, those of us who listen to this program, ought to know by now. And I don't spend a lot of time nowadays because we're too busy, praise Jesus, but we're too busy, hallelujah, um, dealing with the end of the end of the end of the end of time. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe I should just do a special show or something where I just babble on about our existence and why we're here. You know, the things that I... I now, I don't agree with every single thing, every single conclusion that Zen has. But I don't debate him when we bring him on the program to talk about them. He has his reasons for believing what he believes. Dr. Jerry Lee had his reasons for believing what he believed. Um, there, you know, and, and you know, it's part of the that humility of recognizing First Corinthians eight two applies to all of us. If anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet, as they ought to know. 
One of the things that I won't do is I will never assume that the Apocrypha, hey, there's nothing wrong with deriving it and treating it as historical text and that every, and, and some of it's very anointed and much of it is actually mentioned in the 66 book canon. And what happens when you have a book like Jubilees that is called out explicitly in the King James? I'll use that as an example, not that it's any more special of a translation than any other, really, nowadays for those of us who have awakened and moved on. But when you have, and then you go to the book of Jubilees, and Jubilees mentions other books. Anyway. What about the 22 books that are mentioned in the 66 book canon that we don't even know where they are? There are still people today that believe the book of Enoch, you know, is... Anyway, okay, so praise God. That was a turning point for me. It was a... I love the mysteries of the Bible. They excite me so much to know... That who we actually are and why we are here. You know, even if it has, listen, anything that doesn't see a lot of people out there because they, they're ignorant. They're just pure ignorant. Ignorant means, look it up in the dictionary, it means without knowledge. That's what it means. Simple. And it doesn't have a negative connotation. If being without understanding on a particular subject is negative, then boy, I'm negative because I don't know diddly about calculus. I don't know. I don't even know why calculus exists. Honestly, I don't. Um, And so that makes me incredibly ignorant about calculus. But that's not necessarily a negative thing. I have other things that I'm good at where a calculus head would probably have no clue what I'm talking about. That's all part of being part of the body of Jesus Christ. Praise God. We all, you know, uh, I forget who the famous person was who quoted this, but every every man is my superior in some way, and in that I learn of him. And so I always want to hear, uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this thought, and then we're going to move right in deeper into the prayer vigil, but I'll leave you with this thought. It was a great learning experience for me, and I think it's a great learning experience for us all. I was put in charge, I was given a a boatload of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, by a major corporation that I worked for. It was a budget. And um, they said, go solve this problem. Here's your money. Well, I decided... Some people had made some recommendations, and I took the recommendations, and I called a meeting, and I brought in all kind of people into the meeting to talk about it. Technically, it's what's known as a requirements gathering meeting. Let's talk about the problem. Let's talk about what the requirements are that we need to, you know, what what is the problem? How are we going to solve it? What are all the requirements that we have to meet? You know, where's the money best spent? Let's put our heads together and brainstorm on it. And by the way, that those principles work very well when you're diving deep into the mysteries of the Bible. And I learned something amazing. This was 20 years ago. 
a young woman, and by the way, 20 years ago, I, I, I'm just going to say that, no, nah, I'm not going to even go, I'm not even going to go there, not with all the weirdness that's going on in the world right now, but I, I will just say 20 years ago, a young woman in the room raised her hand and said, why don't we do this? In fact, that person would have been, of all the people in the room, probably 30 people, that would have been the person that I would have thought would have contributed the least to the meeting. And that person, as ignorant as they were about the various solutions, technologies, investments that could have been made to solve the problem, said, why don't we do this? And that person hit the jackpot, saved the company hundreds of thousands of dollars. The project was closed. Instead of taking a year to complete, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, it would be several hundred thousands of dollars. Additional staff, which are very expensive. The average full-time equivalent is is calculated at $100,000 a year, even when they're only making 70 to 75 because of all the other stuff, medical and all that. And the solution that she recommended required no additional staff, could be ramped up within less than a week, and cost a fraction of the amount of the budget. And I was a hero. She should have been the hero. But unfortunately, in project management and big corporations, there's no way to give credit to that person in the back of the room that raised their hand and said, why don't we do this? The biblical takeaway from that is all about the body of Christ. Sometimes the most unlikely, you know, Maybe it's a donkey, right? Sometimes the most unlikely places, voices, sources of information are the ones that reveal the greatest mysteries. But we're so religionized. We're so dead set on following our Father's footsteps. That we, if we came from a pre-trib rapture background, well, my granddaddy and my granddaddy's granddaddy was the senior pastor of this, and we all believed, and we you know, were part of the Southern Baptist, this, that, and the convention, and blah, blah, and it's been for thousands of years, and therefore it is what it is, and that's what God told me to get rid of. Praise God. So, anyway, thank you, Jesus. But when we know who we are, let's say it's only 80% perfect. How amazing is that? How much more motivational is it to fight your way through the things that encumber us, the things that challenge us, the things that make us hate being stuck on this evil planet 
and we don't do our Heavenly Father, who we're supposed to love with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. We don't do our Lord Jesus Christ, who is supposed to be our first love, and we're supposed to love more than our mothers, our children. We're supposed to be willing to lay our lives down and suffer pain, agony, even being sawed in half for Jesus. But yet all we can think about is getting out of here. And if that isn't a paradox, I don't know what is. And I'm guilty as charged. I think to some degree we all are. It is a paradox. And we need as much anointing, as much praise, as much connection to the Godhead, as much worship. Worshiping God is uh, is just being, just loving on him. Worshiping Jesus is loving on him. Singing to him. Do you know how many times in the Bible it mentions raising of hands and all the men and, you know, all the people raise their hands to the Lord? How many times do you sit alone in your bedroom with the door locked in the dark? It doesn't have to be locked, but closed maybe. In a private place with your hands raised in the air, just praising God for how awesome he is. Just praising Jesus for how awesome he is. I sometimes think that those who praise our Father, even in the midst of their ignorance, having no idea, but they just love our Father. They just love Jesus. They adore him. They might be as dumb as a toothpick, but by golly, they love Jesus. They love him. And they talk to everybody about him. Sometimes I think they're far closer to being part of the barley harvest than maybe sometimes we are. Perhaps we all need to adjust our priorities especially as we see the days growing darker. Maybe we should care a little bit less about who's a reptilian and care a whole lot more about closing the door and worshiping. Worshiping the one who loved us when we were at our very, very worst. Praise God. Oh, mm-hmm. 
do something neat. Let's read the Beatitudes in the NLT. I haven't done this yet, but I bet you it's going to be pretty cool. One day, as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him. And he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
God blesses those who mourn. For they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble. For they will inherit the whole earth. Which of course has to be referring to the millennial reign. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. For they will be satisfied. Although possibly not in our lifetime. (laughs) Praise God. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. See, that one I really, really like a lot, because um, I really want to see the Father bad. And I know even though I've dorked up an awful lot, my heart is definitely pure. I just make stupid mistakes. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Wow, that's awesome. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And you know what's really cool is if you think about it, if you live all these things, if the, if you can look at these and say, wow, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Now, the word poor, be careful with that word, because it doesn't necessarily mean monetarily poor. For example, I am very, I'm just, this is a a fact. It's a fact. I am very, very poor in um, human contact. I have none. Zero. Now, granted, you know, if contractors come over to my house and start working on my house because I hired them to do something or whatever, you know, then I... You know, I have to go down and talk to them and stuff, but I don't think that's the same thing. I mean, you know, so God blesses those who are poor. See, I know in my life that's a it's a blessing and a curse. I, I hate that word curse. It's a blessing and a what is the word? I need here. I'm going to use a thesaurus. Thesaurus.com. I love thesaurus.com. Say, look for um, yeah. I'm gonna have to do some dig more dig, dig deeper digging on that one. Um, but yeah, a blessing and a I don't see the the word challenge is okay to use, but it's not strong enough. I need something that's stronger, that's basically a synonym of challenge, but is stronger. I'll find it. Maybe. (laughs) Praise God. But isn't it amazing as you read over these, you know, when it says... Blesses when God blesses those who are pure and realize their need for Him. I I find this um this this is a 
wow. I mean, gigantic, gigantic wow. Because I was just talking, you know, when you don't have anybody to talk to about your, the things that you're going through, whatever they may be, When there's nobody to, you can't fellowship, you can't share, you can't ask for prayer because they wouldn't understand what it is you're asking for. They would think you were nuts. I mean, that kind of thing. That's being poor. Because what the result is you're going to realize your need for God ever so much more because of it. Because you got nobody else to talk to. And you know what's kind of sad? is God should have been your first choice. Jesus should have been your first choice anyways. So it's kind of unfortunate. Indeed, it's very unfortunate that oftentimes we get upset and frustrated because we don't have anyone we can confide in or fellowship or discuss our challenges or our concerns with. And then we sit down and we talk to the Lord. That needs to be flipped around the other way. I suspect that if we flipped it around the other way and trained ourselves through practice to always sit down, close our eyes, and talk to the Lord, I believe that our spirit would be enriched by its... You you almost got to think of the Godhead and the Godhead within us as being like this energy aura. And as we praise and have conversations and talk with Jesus and talk to the Father, and we do it with intensity, in other words, we block out all that. I love to pray at like 5 o'clock in the morning when everything is so quiet. Not only when I don't want to hear a crow. I don't want to hear a bird. I don't want to hear nothing. I want that room to be dark, and I want to be able to focus 1,000% on the Lord. And my words are intimate and close and focused. Did you know that the Jews, when they are standing at the wailing wall and they bob their heads back and forth like some kind of freaky-deaky seabird in Florida, you know, in Miami, um, that, that the reason they do that is because it intensifies their concentration on God. That's the belief behind it. Hey, whatever works, but you still need Jesus. There's so many things we got to learn. I I think it's such a but we got a short time to learn it. You know, we got to self-train ourselves. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. It's so important. We cannot miss the barley harvest. We can't miss it. We can't miss it. We can't miss it. We can't. We can't. Can't. You can't. It's gonna be. Look, think about the the stuff that upsets you now. 
think about how I would, you know, I'm, this is based on some assumptions on my part, I admit it, but if you're anything at all like me, when you heard, when you saw that headline come across on that, on, you know, it had started out by saying something like 14 children have been shot and killed in some school in Texas or whatever. And then the number keeps getting higher and higher. And, and it said elementary school and that made it even worse. You know, and I had tears pouring down my eyes. And then, you, you know, you go through grief and anger and, uh, and the whole thing, it just can, it can be utterly overwhelming. We really got to get to a place where, you know, that I, I don't trust the prophets. I don't. I don't. I, I used to an awful lot, but now I just don't. I, what I do trust is taking 50 or 60 prophecies. And I don't despise them, like Paul said, don't despise the prophets. But, you know, Paul wouldn't have told us not – Paul would not have said, do not despise the prophets if there wasn't a reason to do it. You know, that would be like saying, don't take the Donald Duck mask off your pastor. Well, you wouldn't be told to take the Donald Duck mask mask off your pastor if he wasn't wearing a Donald Duck mask. So Paul, when he said, do not despise the prophets, said it because there was a really big reason to despise them. So I don't. I really don't despise them. I, I, I pray for them some you know that are that I've listened to over the years but I discern strongly I squinty eyed look at every word they say because you know I've caught them screwing up way too many times way too many times misquoting scripture or quoting it to suit what it was they were saying I brought people on the radio show that were recommended by other people only to find out they were ultimately Seven Mountains people, you know, and, and, and that they were, you know, claiming to be talking to Jesus yesterday and getting ultimately false information. Je- you know, Jesus is God. He ain't going to tell you that something's going to happen on Tuesday and then, and then you come back and tell everybody, I talked to Jesus, you know, come on. This just doesn't work that way. And, I, and and even the people I used to refer to as A-list prophets, I busted them making so many mistakes, saying things about, you know, uh, uh, the rapture of the innocents. There is no such thing. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the making up all kinds of stuff. You know, I just recently caught caught one that, that I had the most greatest at adoration for and, and and respect for telling everybody there's going to be a wealth transfer. The only time a prophet says there's going to be a wealth transfer is when they're in dire straits financially. Their flesh is overcoming their ability to hear God. So we can't despise them. But boy, I'll tell you what, I certainly do discern. I squinty eye, boy, I look at every word. I check those scriptures. And I know, and thank you, Jesus, I know my Bible as well as I do because I know right away when they're wrong. I'm like, this, this is incorrect. But what I will do is I will take those who have had prophecies, dreams, and visions, and I will snatch key statements or events. I love events. E-V-E-N-T-S, earthquakes and tornadoes or whatever, you know, wars and whatever the event is, uh, you know, uh, F-15 shooting tactical nukes at the Fordow facility and aircraft carriers getting sunk. That stuff to me is important. 
The rest of the blah, 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 you know, I, I just find error with it continuously. I have to deal with those errors because people will email me. And I have to tell them things like, yes, son, you do need to go to college. Brother Jeremy, you do need to go to work today. Even though so-and-so said you shouldn't. Because they were so sure that God told them that now was the time. So when you're, we got to flip a lot of these things around in our walk. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Shoot, we should realize our need for him and desire our need for him continuously, no matter what, even if we aren't poor. It says the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, I think that needs to be adjusted in its understanding. It simply means they will definitely be going to heaven. If you are so in love with your father that you need to talk to him, or Jesus, of course, one and the same, then the kingdom of heaven is theirs. doesn't mean you own it. You know what I mean. But think about it. When you, when you can look at each one of these. Now, the one that says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted, that's kind of like, you know, that goes hand in hand with the scripture. I don't know what the chapter and verse is, but that goes hand in hand with, you know, you know, we will weep for a night, but in the morning we will have joy. I know I butchered it, but I'm just saying it's, it goes something like that. That that one there is a gimme. Okay, so... Praise God for it. Thank you, Jesus, for it. It's anointed. Hallelujah. But it's a gimme. The next one says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Now, you know what? I don't have any interest in in inheriting the earth. I'm going to be straight up. I hope this planet vaporizes in some kind of supernatural godly explosion, and we never have to look at it again. We never have to think of it again, and we can just move on to eternity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't, I'm, I, I'm happy to say it. I'm, you know, I hope I don't have to step one foot outside the new Jerusalem when that thing descends from and comes down and the, new, and the millennial rain starts. I hope I don't even so much as have to open a window. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. But God bless, just take away the most important part. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who are humble. There's many different ways to be humble. I have a uh, tagline in my email. It's just an itty-bitty little two- or three-sentence excerpt from a book entitled Humility by Andrew Murray. And you really have to expand your thinking in order to grasp, as the Bible would say, the width, the length, the breadth, the height of what this is actually saying. Humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing that is done to us, to feel nothing that is done against us. It is to be at rest 
when nobody praises us. And when we're blamed or despised, we're still at rest. We're okay with it. It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where we can go in and shut the door and kneel to our Father in secret and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around and above us is trouble. I would even expand upon this. Now, of course, Andrew would... Well, Andrew Andrew Murray was truly a humble man, and if I shared with him some of the mysteries that the Lord has shown me, I don't think he would rebuke me at all. I don't think he would chase me around and say, you are not of the body, and try to cast demons out of me secretly and all that kind of stuff. I, I really appreciate all of his work. It's incredible. But I think I would add to humility to this little phrase about humility. Humility humility is like Jesus being the creator of creation. The creator of quadrillions of life forms, planets, universes, realms. Being the most awesome, I mean, he isn't even created at all. He existed with God, begotten. When you're begotten of God, it's almost like God taking his energy field and splitting it and saying, okay, now it's like an amoeba splitting in the middle. And then there's it was one amoeba, but now it's two amoebas. But it was one, but now it's two. And can the amoeba come back together and become one amoeba again? Well, the truth of the matter is that some people have been taken to heaven. They've seen Jesus walk in and become one with the Father. So being begotten is literally being split apart. So you're, that part of that Godhead energy field is literally split apart. So Jesus is actually one with the Father. So they are separate and one at the same time. Lucifer, on the other hand, was just one of the created ones who fell and has been cursed. And he's on an executive severance package. God is using him to bring in the saints and to filter out the bad ones. The ones that don't see Jesus for who he is. When you realize who you are, when you realize who you are in the universes of beings, even though we're in a fallen state right now, when you realize that your destiny is to become a minor god, you're already part of the godhead. You're already a royal priesthood, which comes with it a humongous responsibility. An expectation. So when you understand Jesus and how
I don't need, I can't, there aren't words to describe it. There aren't. How do you describe an entity, a being that had, that had the ability to create, that always existed and had the ability to create all of the things that we know exist, still have the humility to come to this planet To bring those who he knew before home. Because when the universe was created and the rules of the universe and the physics and everything that makes the universe is when they were created, those rules stand. And God follows his own rules and so does Jesus. They don't... Bend the rules for Frank or Charlie or Sally or whatever. The rules stand for everybody. All the beings and all the universes, the rules are the rules. Superior court judges on the earth have uh, sentencing guidelines, and they have to follow those. They can't just randomly break them because they happen to know the person that's on the witness stand. And besides, they should have recursed themselves and stood down because there is a conflict of interest in that case. But the point being that they follow God is so holy that he follows his own rules, and he won't bend them. The rules that were created before there was even a concept known as time. And to have that being who we look like, I mean, you know, two hands, two eyes, that kind of thing. Actually love us, each on an individual level. That's really kind of hard to believe. It's true, and we accept it in faith. But when you think about it, to have the creator of creation be willing to come to this planet because we dorked up, and it's a lot bigger than Adam and Eve. That's a drop in the bucket. It just goes to show you that even the people that penned through the power of the Holy Spirit, a lot of the scriptures didn't really understand the magnitude of what it is we're doing here. It's huge. Jesus cannot, our Father, the heavenly office of God, the four and twenty elders, when they are having their meetings and discussing this, that, and the other thing and whatever, boy, I would do anything to be a part of those meetings. Let me tell you what, I would do anything. But when they're talking about this stuff, one thing you can believe for certain is the determination was made at one point that they cannot have another Lucifer event. They cannot have another created being, another son of God, because Lucifer is technically a son of God. He's just a fallen, cursed one that's on a severance package. Who accuses the brethren both day and night. But God knows who's repenting. 
God looks at the individual hearts. Lucifer doesn't give a darn about the hearts. He wants them all to suffer. Because they turned on him. He feels betrayed. And we are the jury that are going to point our fingers back at him when he gets cast into Gehenna eventually. Unfortunately, he gets to come back. And I'm just going to hide somewhere in, I don't know, hopefully I can find a really cool room in the New Jerusalem to hang out in with a really great Thai buffet. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. Can you imagine? That's the quintessential. So now, when you hear the concept of being humble, it changes everything. When a person isn't humble, they have tendencies of becoming like a tyrant. Humility makes them feel you know, like they're unworthy, like they made themselves lower than everyone else, like Jesus did when he came to the earth for us. It's humility. Now, just because you're humble doesn't mean you don't have another side to you that says, okay, enough is enough. And Jesus will come to that point eventually where enough is enough. We know that. It's in the book of Jude. It's in Revelation chapter 19. And other places, there's other stuff. But anyway, the point is, I really think Andrew Murray's, when we, can you imagine how vitally important it is to the Godhead and the 420 elders, the whole governing body of heaven, central command of all of creation, the headquarters, Mount Zion, of the living most high God of gods, Yahweh-El. Can you imagine how vitally important it is that those who are lifted up to become like Jesus, metakoi, fellow sufferers, part of the ruling class known as the Bride, which 99.999% of Christians will not become, because it's what you do on earth the works that you do on earth are what ultimately allows the Godhead to choose, not simply call you, hey, hey, I'm laying before you an opportunity to become part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Not just call you, but to choose you and say, I want you. It's like dodgeball. Remember dodgeball when you were a kid? You always felt bad when you weren't picked. All of us ought to want to be picked really bad. They cannot have another rebellion. When we and we're gonna to have to go through an awful lot of training. A lot of training. That you know, I, I don't think it really 
I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to break out. I know that we're going to be hierarchically assigned different duties when we when we ultimately go to heaven. I know that we're going to be if we make the bride and we get you know at least the barley or the wheat. I'm sorry, yeah, barley or the wheat harvest. At least one of those two, which ought to be qualified as the part of the ruling class, even though they're different levels. But again, an opportunity to come back to the earth. You'll be sent on a mission. The mission, John. Well, that ain't just for me. Or would you rather go into eternal peace? You know, I can see myself saying, you know, eternal peace is sounding really good. Are there like umbrella drinks and stuff, you know, kayaks for going out on the lake? Take the mission. I mean, can you imagine after all we're going to have to go through to get out of here? If we get chosen, how hard it's going to be to take the mission? (laughs) In other words, you just left pretty much hell on earth, and they're asking you to go back and do some more work. (laughs) You know? Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, the love that you're going to have to have in your heart to say yes, the self-sacrificing heart that you're going to need to have to say yes, and the magnitude of the promise of the rewards and the inheritance that would be yours for saying yes. Humble. Doesn't mean wimpy. Humble means understanding. Humble means empathy. Humble means merciful. Humble means self-sacrificing. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. That gives me a lot of hope. I've had a lot of people over my life on earth tell me, You know, you're really dorked up, John, but I knew your heart was in the right place. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And that goes on. God blesses you when people mock and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you're my followers. I would also submit that this is probably... um, when it says because you are my followers, that that is probably greatly simplified to capture all possible dynamics. But I also believe that when your heart is in the right place, even if what you're trying to impress upon somebody is in error, but you're doing it for all the right reasons, to bring them home, it would qualify for this. 
where people say, oh, they're a nutbag, they're, a, you know, they're nuts, stay far away from them, they're a heretic. I think that qualifies as hearts in the right place, doing it for all the right reasons, and you, because you are a follower of Christ, you want to do these things. The key, though, is did you do it humbly? Or did you get snarky and mean? Call them names for not, you know what I mean? Because anything that we do that's not out of love profit us nothing. Verse 12 says, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Providing that it was done out of love. Praise God. That's amazing stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Sit a while with me and hold me in your arms. I love you, Jesus. The last days are with us. Give me strength to stand. Faith to release the fear as you embrace my heart again and lift me above the storm. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I lift your name up high. I praise your holy name, I'll find your power, in this final hour, you're my heart's desire, and you will carry me through, by your mighty power. You're soon to sit and reign. I welcome you, Jesus. Make my path look very plain as I lift my heart to you. I praise you, Jesus. Your mighty hand is moving. I worship our great King as you take your awesome power and defeat your enemies as we take our place with you. I praise you, Jesus. Lord, I lift your name up high, I praise your holy name, all by your power, 
follow up. You're my heart's desire and you will carry me through. Till we join you in the sky as she split the sky open wide. Rise upon your So his children could be fed I can only imagine The silence in the room As you passed on the bread to be told The lady knocked on the bank The reach of his plan In his love we were told To rejoice not to mourn So we gather from memory The glory of the Lamb the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the king and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, as you arose and went back up to heaven, to plead to the heavenly courts. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done, you had power to call. And I can only imagine the thunderous sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains, now all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather the memories of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord over all. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. For we believe in our land. 
all of creation restored by his hand eternity all is revealed by the time we remember all skies will be healed As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, Giving one another, and even as 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely or of a good report, if there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. First Peter 2.9 Colossians 3.12, Philippians 4.8. Now, considering what we just talked about, about humility, about who we are in the universes, becoming part of the ruling, um, those who rule and reign with Jesus ultimately over all creation. Can you imagine how much bigger it is when you extend it out to eternity? The ruling class. Now let's take another look at Colossians 3.12 just for a second. If you were given so much power by the heavenly office of God, the kind of power that Lucifer was given at one time before he rebelled. He wasn't always a bad guy. If you had these qualities today here on the earth, what are the odds? If you had these qualities, wouldn't you suggest, wouldn't you believe with all of your heart that the likelihood, the probability that you would turn sour, rancid, selfish? Going through all that we have gone through in our lives, particularly being maltreated for whatever reason, And you realize that you were chosen by God, elected by God. You were holy and beloved by God. You were full of tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and unbelievable patience. You're full of forgiveness. You're overflowing with love. What are the odds? And that's exactly why Jesus is looking for these. That's why Jesus is looking for these. That's why, and I'm going to show you something cool here. Let's go to Galatians 5.19. That means I pressed the wrong button. It didn't want anything. 
I'll go to the New King James on this one. This is really important. But 99% of the people out there that even touch these verses do not understand what they mean. They misunderstand them and they misteach them. I'm going to share with you a, a mystery. Galatians 5.19, Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. Those are powerful disagreements. How about that, huh? Jealousies of wrath. Whoa. Selfish ambitions. Uh-oh. Dissensions. Heresies. Heresies are any beliefs that are outside of the the Word of God, Jesus. Not in addition to it, okay, but defy that which was written by the Word, which is Jesus. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, revel, revelries, and the like, you know, and the like, meaning similar behaviors, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now then, when you understand what this actually means, that's when you can really get it. The chances of a Christian, any Christian on the face of this earth, being unguilty of all of these things, because it even says, and the like, are like one, a, one in a, my, my new favorite word, quadrillion. One in a quadrillion. I would submit to you that every single Christian that has ever lived on earth, well, not sure where else you would live. Well, no, I take that back because there's Christians all over the universes. But the the point here is this. When you look at the, how complete this list is, Paul is simply saying fleshy behaviors include things like adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, I don't believe what you say, I think you're crazy, heresies, um, you know, Jesus didn't die on the embrace in three days, come on, you don't believe that stuff, envy, murders, envy, oh my gosh, I really love that, that outfit you have, oh my goodness, I wish I had, oh, drunkenness, revelries, and similar behavior. Sorry, we're all guilty of every one of well, not every one of these, but probably at some point in our lives, who knows? And and even after we became born again, still many of these 
I see many of these behaviors daily on Facebook from people who believe that they're part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Where's the mystery? Now, I will tell you, people misteach this in an awful way. They actually tell people that if you do any of these things, you're going to hell. Because they interpret. They're missing the words. They're not paying attention. And it's, a, and it's, a, and it's just an awful, awful shame. Because it's, a, it's really an amazing thing when you understand what is being said here. It says, those who practice such things. So what that means is you are, it's not a mistake, it's just how you are. When you practice something, when you practice medicine, you practice medicine because you're a doctor. If you practice sorcery, you practice sorcery because you're a sorcerer. When you practice jealousies, you practice jealousies because you're just a jealous person by nature. But here's the most amazing part about this. It says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Keywords, inherit, first keyword. Second keyword, kingdom of God. What's the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven is planet heaven. Now, I would submit that it's probably a multiple dimension, multi-dimensional planet that's far beyond our understanding. I mean, even understanding eternal glorified realms and everything is like beyond our understanding. But it's a planet. Like it or lump it, it is. Not just some, you know... It, not innocuous. It's not some strange. You know, it, it's it, it, it's it's gigantic. I can say that. And yes, it has country mansions. It has bigger, bigger mansions. The mansions get bigger the closer you get to Mount Zion. And, and the pearly gates, the pearly gates, they did. They just go around Mount Zion, high and lifted up. That's where our Father hangs out. Or Jesus hangs out, where the apostles hang out. And some of us will even get city mansions inside Mount Zion. That's where the city of the living God is. And then you got your country mansions. You got your Thomas Kincaid, your little beautiful country mansions. And some of us will get both country mansions and city mansions. But the further you go out, you keep on going further, 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 further away from Mount Zion. The dwelling places become smaller and smaller. Christians who were disobedient Christians while they were on the earth are not necessarily sent to hell. It's part of the rewards package. For your works. So when this says will not inherit the kingdom of God, it's not saying they're going to be sent to hell. What it's saying is that first you've got to know what are we talking about here? The kingdom of God. What is that? And how do you inherit it? The kingdom of God is all of creation. 
So when you inherit creation, are you starting to put this together? Think of it as being part of the ruling class, part of the bride of Christ, kings and priests over all of creation. And you would inherit part of the kingdom of God, which is part of creation. You would inherit part of creation. You would inherit part of creation. But if you practice these things, these things that are fleshy, if you make it a normal part of your life on earth, it's not saying you're going straight to hell. What it's saying is you're not going to be part of the ruling class with Jesus. You're not going to be given, you're not going to inherit part of the universes to rule and reign over. That's what this is talking about. And then it follows it up with, but, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no law. See, it, 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 it immediately tells you how you should, what, what behaviors and thoughts and the feelings in your heart that you should substitute. That that should be predominant in your walk. Would you want to have, would you want to be lorded over in creation? Have the person who's in charge of you, like King Herod, no doubt, who's an adulterer, a fornicator, unclean, lewd, idolatry, sorcerer, hatred, contentions, jealousy, the whole daggone thing. The guy was everything that's in Galatians 5.19. No. None of us would want to have that person as our king, our priest, or somebody that we had to answer to. We would want somebody that was full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and had a lot of self-control. That's what this is all about. Inheriting the kingdom of God. Being assigned part of the kingdom of God. This isn't heaven and hell. If it was heaven and hell, we're all doomed. (laughs) Okay? Okay, sorry, but if you can't find something in here that you're guilty of, then uh, you're lying to yourself. Or you're just naturally the most meek, long-suffering, joyful, kind, and good, faithful person that ever lived. (laughs) Which there are people out there like that, I suppose. I just haven't met many of them. I don't know if I've met any of them, praise God. But I just wanted to share that with you. Because when you you see this theme repeat itself all over the scripture, therefore is the elect of God holy, beloved, separated from the behaviors of all those people that are fleshy in their nature, holy and loved by God because you you go the extra mile and you do separate yourself from those things. And you, you have tender mercy in your heart. You empathize with them because you were there once. There but for the grace of God goeth I. Kindness and humility and meekness and patience that goes on forever. Forgiving and full of love. That's who you want to be your king. 
Isn't it cool that that's who our king is? Praise his name. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 26, 39. He, our Lord Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed. Oh, God of all creation on the earth, come in here to save us. And he knew when he came here, it wasn't for everybody. Otherwise, he wouldn't have stood on the side of that mountain and yelled at, at the multitudes of people, if you are not willing to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And everybody started to murmur amongst one another, going, that guy's some kind of a weirdo. Let's get out of here. See, Jesus knew in advance. He knew in advance there were people following him around that didn't have the spiritual acuity and Acuity. It's a, just look up the word, acuity. Spiritual acuity, sensitivities. He didn't have the spiritual sensitivities to become what he needed them to become. And so he said those words to them to filter them out of the crowd. He went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, my father. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. First Timothy 3.16 God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, and received up into glory. Hallelujah. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Praise you, Jesus. Father, have mercy upon us. Boy, do we need it. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, that's brilliantly written. The multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out our transgressions, for they are many. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity. Cleanse us from our sin. For we may know we're sinners. We acknowledge it. We confess it before you. Our sin is always before us. Against you, Father, you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Oh, Lord, behold. We were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts, you will make us to know your wisdom. Can you imagine how David felt when Nathan said, this man is you? Oh my gosh, he must have felt horrible. Purge us with your hyssop, Father, and we shall be clean. Wash us, and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us your joy and gladness, 
that the bones you've broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sin. Blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us a clean heart every day, Father. Allow us to grow in our sanctification endlessly closer to you. Strengthen us when we can't. We just can't pull it together ourselves. Anoint us many times over and again with the oil of gladness so that we're able to endure. Blot out all of our iniquities and hide your face from our sin, Father. Do not cast us away from your presence ever or take your Holy Spirit. Don't let us grieve the Holy Spirit, Father. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. And uphold us from your generous spirit. You know, why does the scripture say over and over again, the joy of your salvation? Saying that it's our Father's salvation. You know, we would almost be inclined to think it was Jesus' salvation for us, right? But then you go back up to Matthew 26, 39, and Jesus said, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It is God's salvation. But it was Jesus' action. Deliver us from the guilt of bloodshed. Father, Lord God of our salvation, deliver us from the guilt of our past sins, even those that remain close in our memories, say even today. Blot them out. Wash them away into a deep blue sea of your forgiveness and forgetfulness forevermore. I receive from the Lord that the Lord's Supper Holy Communion sorry for I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Lodoti, Lodoti Lee.
I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Hallelujah.
Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God in Jesus' name, Father, we declare that at the very moment that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior at the very moment that it sets its will against us or our loved ones, We declare in Jesus' name that fire swords of cherubim will be shot down from heaven and to cut them into pieces, that fire of God will launch down from the glory pillar and burn them in this screaming and horrific agony in Jesus' name. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that the holy fire of God and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit will swirl around about our dwelling places. Will follow us around wherever we go in the name of Jesus. Will wrap like a fire tornado around our prayers, melting the firmament of rock and scattering the darkness that our prayers may not be hindered. Father, we declare and plead with the courts of heaven for the dispatch of a uh, platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission on each of our behalfs to ferret out all indirect threat vectors that attempt to come against us in our workplaces, portals that have been opened, uh, agreements in the demonic realm against us, assignments. Eradicate them when they are out of our sight, Father, in the name of Jesus, to hunt them down, to destroy them, and to place the demons of darkness and those that agreed against us. 
under arrest and to cast them into the pit. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them in the screaming agony, welding the pit shut. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that the fire of God will permeate every part of our lives, that it will move throughout our household, throughout our dwelling places, throughout all places that we walk into and enter. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that all weapons, earthly or spiritual, shall be vaporized before they can be used against us, that the fire of God will vaporize any fiery darts that are launched against us. In the name of Jesus at all times, to keep it. White hot in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Holy Father God, we lift up a golden cup of forgiveness on behalf of the lands of Africa and South America, every nation, tribe, and tongue, all the good and the bad in the name of Jesus, both continents at one time, Father God, we lift them up before you. We hold up a golden bowl of forgiveness on behalf of them all. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you will forgive those people. Forgive every one of them. Forgive the good, the bad, the wealthy, the poor. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Father, if they do know, we ask for extra grace in Jesus' name. Please, Father, pour out the golden bowl of forgiveness upon them all. In the name of Jesus. We part the spiritual realm above the lands of Africa and South America like the Red Sea for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move freely, unhindered into the lands to touch the people. In Jesus' name. And as your servant Daniel did in Daniel 9.25 and Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, Father God, we confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Africa. We confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of South America. Father God, we confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until, until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage, all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We break all curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Even if but for a time, breakthrough. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places over the lands of Africa and South America, we come against you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We sever your heads with the sword of the Spirit. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you in the horrific screams of agony in Jesus' name. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ making a public spectacle of you thereof. We bind before the courts of heaven, Colossians 2.15, against thee in Jesus' name. And we declare and decree an innumerable company of angels of war and archangels to follow, diamond-tipped sword sharp as razor blades into the spiritual realm above the lands of Africa and South America to cut you into pieces and to cast the pieces into the pit to wage war against thee such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior. Strong men, come forth. We have loosed your legal rights to the peoples of those lands, and we command you, release 
them now. Subordinate spirits out. Spirits of infirmity, come forth. In the name of Jesus, we decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you and to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony where you stand. And we plead the blood of Jesus in Jesus' name to seal the pit. For only you, our Lord Jesus, can release them. Breakthrough. Father, we declare your holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot to encapsulate on all sides, Job 1.9, every single man, woman, and child, even if but for a time, across all of the lands of Africa and South America, in Jesus' name. Let nothing unclean reenter the clean-swept house. We declare and plead with the courts of heaven for an outpouring of the living water, the crystal river, and your abundant manifold grace, Father God, to enter into their hearts, to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in the name of Jesus, John fifteen sixteen, hallelujah. And we declare and plead with your courts, Father God, for the dispatch of an innumerable company of angels of light and love to descend upon all of the peoples of the lands of Africa, all of the peoples of the lands of South America, the good and the bad, in the name of Jesus, the wealthy and the poor, in the name of Jesus, the city dwellers and the indigenous, in the name of Jesus, to come upon them in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men, to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction. Job 33, 14, and 15, hallelujah. Father, in open and standing visions of the day, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will come upon them in the night in their dreams. Show them the man in the white robe. Lift your hand to them. Call them by their name in their native tongue. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life we are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies 
When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins we will be. Your bride awaits the Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free